Welcome back, friends. So excited to be with you on a, another edition of our Life with Breath Expert Series. I'm Ed Harold, your fearless leader. And today we have Leanne and Tom Weaver of Beam Training UK. And these are just folks who I met a few years ago and I just immediately resonated with their authenticity, the beauty of the work they do and how they help people. And I thought, what a great way to kick off spring in 2022 with the amazing Leanne and Tom Weaver. So welcome, guys. Hi, Hi Ed. Thank you for having us. How's everything over in the UK across the pond, so to speak? Well, it's been stormy. Yeah. We've had three storms, one after another. But it feels quite nice because it's kind of like just blowing away all of that old stuff ready for spring to come. Yeah, and boy, do we need a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys are really big in the corporate space. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your background, how you got started and what you love to do? So, shall I start? You go. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, we start, I started Beam um, just around mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Uh, my background originally degree in educational psychology, postgrad in human resource management, worked in HR for a while, delivered a, quite a lot of training and really enjoyed that. And then when I got pregnant with my daughter, I decided that I wanted to be a mum more than anything. So started retraining and um, decided that I'd work from home. And that resulted in me doing something that was sensible. Mm -hmm. And I decided to retrain in bookkeeping, which was really boring, but I did it. And then I started to carry on learning and I became an accountant, which is really boring. And everyone I met would tell me, you don't look like an accountant, but I didn't really twig didn't feel like one either, loved talking to people, hated putting numbers in boxes. And then loads of different life changes happened and I had a big realization that I was really unhappy. From the outside, I looked successful. From the outside, I, I had a nice big house and had lots of stuff and had my own business. And on the inside, none of it really felt like me. Mm -hmm. So started to create a lot of changes went back to what I really enjoyed, which was psychology, and started to retrain. So I retrained in lots of holistic therapies, things like EFT, emotional freedom technique, mm -hmm. hypnotherapy, coaching. And then from there, worked out that if I turned these into courses, I could help more people on a bigger scale. And that started with me doing private courses on a weekend. And then I got invited into companies and we started to um, make that a little bit more corporate and professional. And that grew quite a lot. And then in 2019, got to a stage with the organization where I either had to give up training so I could run the business or I had to bring someone in to run the business. And Tom was a project manager for Building Sites, was coming to the end of a contract. And so, I knew I didn't want to give up training. So I thought who better to bring in to run the business, but Tom, so that's how you came on board. It is. Uh, I was always jealous um, because uh, I'd come home from the end of the day and you know, in construction, there's a lot of people that complain 
uh, and you're constantly trying to solve problems. And uh, I'd come back and uh, Leanne would be like, ah, oh, hear what my clients had to say about me today. And uh, and I, I was always, always thought, oh, I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> you know, um, I get hate all day and, and Leanne gets um, praise and love all day. And, this, and I thought, she's really helping and um and i've always liked to help others and uh, so i thought it'd be a great opportunity as my contract was coming to an end that i'd be able to manage the business and see what was going on and, and help out and help grow and not long after i joined beam i realized that actually i i think i need to understand this a bit more in detail so i started training to become a coach and understand how um you really get to help people. And then that's when it led to breath work for me. Um, after reading a few books, and then I realized this this stuff is life changing. And and I haven't looked back since. And I'm I'm really happy being a part of Beam. That's super exciting. And it, it really resonates with the fact that we need to continue as individuals to grow from the inside out you know we we make these decisions in our 20s and you know it's like our parents you know they just kept doing it all the way to the end and we see so much of of, of the younger generation you know we tried something on in the 20s you know and the suit didn't really fit it just intuitively i i didn't feel like this is what i'm on earth to do and it starts with giving yourself permission to maybe explore that being uncomfortable at what I'm doing. It's not really fulfilling me. I'm not getting a good night's sleep. I'm, I'm not feeling emotionally as stable as I'd like. And, and you begin to let the mind wander into other thought forms, which seem to be more organic and natural, but completely different than what your original plan was, you know, five or 10 years ago. And, you know, trusting, you know, throwing everything out the window, so to speak, and then trying something new takes a lot of heart. You know, it takes a lot of heart to look at those old thoughts and say, you know, you were great at the time, but I think I found a better version of myself to bring forward for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. How was how that little transition for you guys? That is challenging because I definitely in the, the work I do. So I do a lot of one to one therapy and I do the corporate training. And I meet people all the time that have got themselves into a situation where they almost feel cornered, which is exactly what I felt. It's almost like I've made my bed, so I've got to lie in it. Mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've done this now. I've got responsibilities. I've got a child. I've got bills to pay. And it takes a lot of courage to say this isn't for me. And so for me, it was the ultimate getting out of my comfort zone and kind of balancing on that precipice and just going do you know what I'm going to leap because remaining became so uncomfortable that the unknown was less scary mm -hmm. and for for me that that's kind of been a lesson that we've sort of shared a lot and when Tom left construction he'd worked in construction since teens mm -hmm. leaving that all his friends and family were like why would you leave that you've trained to do that that's your skill you've got an amazing talent but you felt the same sort of thing as me didn't you that i've just got to jump and trust it yeah yeah the hardest thing is making that first step and then no one questions it after you're you're running along with it <laughs> it it works it's just a lot of people are scared of change and you show that you can change 
actually quite eat well. It seems quite easy from the outside. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of hard work that goes behind it, but it's it, it's refreshing. Like, we shouldn't be doing the same thing all the time. Well, it's really good for the brain to continue to explore <clears throat> different platforms. I read a research article the other day about four different types of intelligence, IQ, EQ, social adaptability, and uh, adversarial intelligence when there's resistance. Mm -hmm. And I, I really enjoyed that because when I was a kid growing up, there wasn't emotional intelligence. There was just IQ and you got your score, you took your tests and, you know, you were either this or that, or you were labeled and, you know, you kind of, if you didn't fit into it, uh, you know, the repetition, the memorization model of the left prefrontal cortex, you kind of felt a little left out. You know, everybody was getting the A's and B's and you were struggling to get the C's and the D's, but you still thought you had value. But it, it wasn't shown in your scholarly system. And over in the 80s and 90s, we began to develop this thing about feelings and feelings somehow have an intelligence in regard to how we interact with ourselves internally. I feel good. I feel bad. I feel pleasure. I feel pain. And then how we interact with others. And now we have this social intelligence and we go into situations where we might not know people. They might not be familiar to us. And, you know, a lot of us struggle with hello and goodbye and hi or see you later. You know, welcome entering and leaving. Folks struggle with that. But then when we get to talk to each other, we found out, wow, we're exactly the same. And there's nothing wrong with me. And this is great for the senior population you know, to continue to be pushed into situations where we don't apparently know anybody. Yeah. And then how do we deal with stress or there is an object in front of me, which is impeding my ability to get to where I would prefer to go. And I think both of you guys have a masterful way about weaving what is important in life to help us find the foundation to build that bridge to the next island, even though we don't know if that bridge is going to make it. Yeah. And it is about having that trust, isn't it? The trust in yourself that you can handle whatever comes up, even if you're scared. Mm -hmm. And it's also having trust in the support and the resources around you. And I think in the in the courses that we write and we deliver, there's a huge emphasis on there of understanding that we need each other. We need those connections. We need those um resources around us and the key resource we really need is our social connection we're a social species we need each other in order to thrive and surviving as a human being in isolation is really really difficult but thriving really depends upon us having a good community around us making those connections and there's no part of my journey for sure that I could have done without having those levels of social support as we go through it and so we really encourage that on our courses to accept that being strong isn't about doing it all ourselves being strong is having the vulnerability to say i don't know what i'm doing next i've made a wrong turn i need help and actually that's true strength that's you know courage comes from care right which is the latin word for heart mm. It's about being emotionally brave, not just physically brave. <clears throat> How, 
you were working with a client and they <clears throat> were in a stressful situation and it just seemed like they, they couldn't find their way out of it, what would be some of the tools that you would be able to facilitate for them so that they would be able to maybe ask different questions mm -hmm. about the situation around the old answers that they've been utilizing for years that now have become stress. Yeah, absolutely. The first step for me is understanding what stress is right. and understanding, first of all, that not all stress is bad. We need stress to survive. We need, we, there is healthy stress. Understanding what happens to the brain when we're stressed is really crucial. And I, I truly believe that if we all understood this a little bit more, we'd be able to understand our responses a lot more. Mm -hmm. So in order to explain that, I tend to use a combination of a bit of neuroscience, a little bit of Professor Steve Peters' chimp paradox, mm -hmm. and a bit of Dan Siegel as well. Mm -hmm. So in very basic terms, I explain that even though we've got this one brain, it works with different functions so different parts of the brain will take dominance depending on what's going on and three of the key parts of the brain are the the limbic region which is responsible for survival which is definitely where stress will go where where stress is triggered mm -hmm. and we've got the prefrontal cortex which is the human part of the brain so that's critical thinking and reasoning and then we've got the parietal, which is the computer part of the brain. It's the bit that we live on autopilot with. Mm -hmm. So Dan Siegel uses something called a hand model to explain mm -hmm. these, these parts of the brain. And I, I don't know if you've come across it, but it's incredible. Masterful work. Dan Siegel's books are great. Absolutely. His, his work in sort of understanding children is amazing, but I think we need to start with the adults. We need to understand that. <laughs> And he, he uses his fists like that. So with the thumb tucked in, the hand over. And so those three parts of the brain I've just explained. So the thumb here is the limbic region. So this is where the amygdala lives. Mm -hmm. Then if we curl that over, we've got the cortex and then the prefrontal cortex. And then the parietal is just at the back. So when we see receive information, it goes up the spinal cord into the brain stem. And then it passes through the limbic region to check if we're safe. Mm -hmm. So if I was out and about and I saw a, a lion walking towards me, that information is going to go up here. It's going to pass through the limbic region. The limbic region is going to light up. Mm -hmm. And as Dan Siegel brilliantly puts it, he says, then we flip our lid. Mm -hmm. So we disconnect the prefrontal cortex and we start operating from our survival brain, which triggers those fight or flight responses. Now, that's great in terms of our physical survival. But this also happens if we imagine a threat. This also happens if it's a more emotional threat. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if I'm sat doing some work and an email comes through that I don't like, ah. I can flip my lid. That never happens. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as we flip our lid, we're no longer in our nice, calm human brain. Stress has started to flood our systems. So things like cortisol, adrenaline are flooding us. The brain is now in survival mode, doesn't care about long-term consequences. So understanding that flipping our lid is normal, we, we will do that as our brain's response to stress, but then getting perspective on actually, is this a life or death situation? Mm -hmm. Am I being chased by the lion or is this just an email I don't like?
-hmm. and making sure that really we learn great ways to put our lid back on. And the number one way that I know of putting our lid back on is through the breath. That That's like the most effective way for us to start to calm down that stress response. Because as you know, Ed, every single breath tells the brain how we're feeling. But we don't consciously pay attention to every single breath. And so when I start getting stressed, my breathing pattern will change. Mm-hmm. And sometimes telling myself not to worry and not to stress about things is fruitless, but mm-hmm. I can always change my breathing to start to bring that stress response down, put my lid back on and be able to think a lot clearer. So the very first thing we would do is kind of explain that stress response mm-hmm. and get them back into the body. So we are out of the head, back into the body. That is so well said. And it's a very complex wiring system that you just spoke of but in a very simplistic way i could understand it which is very important because we are in the communication business Mm -hmm. and i'm not here to separate myself i know this i know that and you know from my clients i need to be able to connect with them in a way that they can immediately begin to ponder the control mechanisms that they have access to when they might sense a lack of control. Definitely. And it's knowing that this is part of the human experience. Now, it doesn't mean that gets us off um, taking responsibility. You know, if we lose our, our temper and we speak badly to our partner or our kids, that doesn't mean, well, it's not my fault, you know, I, I flip my lid. As Steve Peters would call it, that means that our chimp is in charge when that happens. It, I still have responsibility for managing that. It could be an improvement. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it does make us realise that actually every single one of us is managing that. And we're now in an environment where stress is not a daily occurrence. For some people, stress is a moment-to-moment occurrence. We're not having to deal with a tiger chasing us like our ancestors, we're having to deal with a dozen tigers surrounding us all day long. And that could be money worries, work worries, relationship stress. And so loads of us are operating from a a flip lid perspective, moment to moment. Tom, when you, you're very familiar with breath work and breath work is, has been my life. And I'd like to get your take on how you can use the breath to kind of keep that brain calm and satiated when we're in an uncomfortable situation. Well, I mean, there's countless uh, techniques that you can use, but we we love, um, you know, it's uh, bringing yourself back, grounding yourself, flipping that switch. It's just changing your physiology in those moments of difficult times or a challenging situation that then it takes you away from that stress and a couple of breaths you know sat up straight chin down you know your feet on the floor you could be stood up and those breaths change that physiology straight away so it just takes you one step away you're able to gain perspective on the situation and able to assess what you're going to do next rather than like Leanne says 
you're still responding in chimp mode. It quickly, it quickly takes you away from that and just gives you a couple of seconds to breathe and then get back. So and it's well, so simple. Well, most of the major transformational things in our life are simple. But there seems to be a part of our brain that we've activated that we only trust things are, that are complex. Yeah. And mm -hmm. complex things work. Real long words that we can't spell that are on prescription bottles are more important than me learning how to breathe. I mean, it it can be a challenge. Um, you know, even someone that loves to read about breath and, you know, study it and practice it constantly. I must admit there are times where I'm stressed or a little bit angry where I forget to step out of that situation. But by practicing it, even if it's a minute or so later, you can bring your bring back that control. And, uh, you know, everyone, everyone forgets a little bit at the start, but having that practice and understanding, you know, just how to quickly change and flip that switch is, it's a really, really key tool. You know, what's amazing is when we're triggered, the first thing we, we do is we have this limbic system that wants to escape the intruder, wants to run away from it. The problem with that is, is there's no eyes in the back of our head. We can't see the size of intruder. We just know that there's the sense of threat. So the first thing we do is we shorten our exhale and we begin to lose the power of carbon dioxide. Folks forget that you're exhaling as much air as you're inhaling. Mm -hmm. CO2 is not bad. If we can hang in there with that intruder, slow that exhale down. And the exhale is going to allow carbon, because we're carbon beings, to basically begin to incinerate and burn transform the intruder you have the oxygen which is allowing you to hang in there with the experience you're not depriving the brain of oxygen and you're taking the o2 of the exhale and you're adding that to the o2 of the next inhale you're oxygenating and circulating through the inflammatory response of the intruder because most of the intruders that we're dealing with are not new they come to us in different flavors, different colors, different names, different objects, but they're all coming back to something that has occurred probably years ago when we didn't have the skills to address properly stress. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we forget that we've got all of these thousands of years of programming and wiring in our DNA. And yet we've got a tiny amount of time living in this kind of environment. It, this is a wake up call. This is the time when you, if you're walking down the street and you see smoke, you need to run to the fire and help. You don't need to run away from it and call someone else. This is a time for all of us to reach inside ourselves and find whatever wherefore you have to bring your finest self forward when there is an event that we normally be like, whoa, that's too big for me. Yeah, I love that. We've been spending quite a bit of time lately talking about being a hero and what that means. Yes. <laughs> and um, the etymology of the word hero isn't this kind of fearless warrior. It's a protector who has strength enough for two. 
that's like what a hero is meant to do. And oh my goodness, if we could all step into a heroic version of ourselves right now and just have strength for those who are lacking it right now, it could change so much for us. So we quite often talk about sort of being our own hero and stepping into that. You know, and the hero wears many outfits. <laughs> you know, sometimes the hero has his or her pajamas on and it takes a tremendous amount of strength and courage just to put your feet on the floor and get out of bed and take a step towards going to work or yeah. making breakfast for yourself and nurturing yourself or taking care of a loved one because today is just going to be this unbelievable, terrible experience. You know, sometimes heroes just need to get vertical. Yeah. And sure. that's how simple it is. You know, it's overcoming whatever obstacle the universe has placed on your doorstep at this particular moment. You know, mm -hmm. failure doesn't exist on earth. You've already won the lottery. You have a body and you have opportunities. There's only lessons. And sometimes we get into these mindsets where we think we know it all. And, and that's a surefire way to know that trouble's coming to your door. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to continue to learn. We know how good continued learning is for the brain. And where we're not growing, we begin to slowly decay and die. And then that happens in the body. And when it happens in the body, it happens up here. How do we get back? So much of the breathing that we teach what are we actually teaching? We're teaching folks how to remember how they were breathing when they were two years old. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It's an unlearning rather mm -hmm. than a learning. Yeah. And that's, it's great to know that everything that you're going to learn in your life is, is really, you're kind of remembering that, you know, stuff. You're not really learning anything new. Every time you have a breakthrough, Something turns on inside of you and like, oh, I know that. I knew that. You know, it's just so funny. It's like peeling an onion. And you just keep going deeper and deeper. In. And the further you go, the less fear there seems to be in our sensory perception of the external environment. So the further the breath can take us inside ourselves, the further we appear to be able to see outside of ourselves. And the further we can see outside of ourselves, the more self-confidence we have, the more self-esteem we have, the easier it is to adapt to environments that six months ago were uncomfortable. I think this is a lot of the mastery of what you guys bring. Thank you for that. It is about adaptability mm -hmm. and that, that came from your wisdom, really. Well, yeah. I mean, the when the, the pandemic did uh, did hit, you know, there, there were many conversations about how business was going to go because, you know, um, all of our training um, two years ago was was live and we'd go into people's offices and overnight that stopped. So, you know, just the realisation that um, we are very adaptable, even as human beings, you know, we we can change anything. We can survive anywhere. We just need to stop looking in the same direction and we need to look at we've got infinite infinite possibilities beautiful so well and, you know and and that and that's that's what makes us adaptable definitely so when i see you guys i see both of you have this huge heart 
And Tom, your heart is as big as the globe. And then we have Leanne who has this great heart, but also accrued these skills about how to work so skillfully with the human brain. How do you guys combine that in programming to help individuals and companies? Good question. We, Tom and I have a lot of similarities and a lot of similar interests, which that, is yeah. great because we're both really passionate about constantly learning, continuous development, and we talk about that all the time. But what I lack, Tom has, and what Tom lacks, I have, which really is complementary. So when we're looking at designing new content and creating new courses, I might come up with an idea and put in my bit, but then Tom comes and adds his bit and his expertise. Um, and Tom has a really interesting way of looking at the world. It's, it's different to the way I look at the world. So Tom is the eternal optimist. Tom is incredibly um, positive about everything. Yeah. I'm, I, I did a test recently and found out Tom's an optimist and I'm a realist. So I'm not a pessimist, <laughs> but I'm a realist. And so that, that actually really helps us balance it out. So then when we're delivering courses to clients, we can kind of counterbalance it by, by offering the most optimistic outcome, but also the realistic outcome. So we, fo we focus a lot on making sure that every course we have has a variety of tools that will speak to different kinds of people. Yeah. So mm -hmm. different learners, different um, ages, different backgrounds. And every course we deliver is packed with tools, but never with the intention that people will go and use every single one of them. It's always with the intention that there will hopefully be one thing in there that will resonate with you. And that one thing is enough to start to change your life. That's so well said. So well said. Well, it's, it's really important, isn't it? Because, you know, as much as that we both love the same, the same topics to read about, uh, and the same things to learn about, you know, I, I like to learn quietly, um, in silence. Um, I really like e-learning, which is why that's, you know, my side of the business. Um, but Leanne's more of a ask questions and really get all the information out that she can talking to a person. And, you know, so we, we acknowledge that in ourselves and realize that, okay, well, you know, others must learn in similar ways. And, and I, I think that's really important to get across because there are the quiet learners and there are the the noisy learners. <laughs> that is so well said. And I, I totally am in agreement with that, that everyone learns at their own pace mm -hmm. at whatever level of interest is. I mean, it, you're not going to learn what you're not interested in. Yeah. So we need to find a common ground. We need to give folks the space to grow and learn at a pace that's comfortable to their particular body type. And above all, we need to nurture the fields of the mind that haven't been watered in years because all of us are just scratching the surface of the amazing gift of being human. Yeah. When I was getting started in business in the 70s, everything was between the years. You know, everything was memorization, repetition, communication, you know, be a really good wordsmith. If you, if you were criticized, you just pretended it didn't hurt you and uh, you just took the punches and you'd be shamed and blamed and howard at work. Very, 
like male kind of construction kind of work, even in the corporate setting. And then as I began to get involved in corporate coaching in the 90s, we began to see that folks were coming to work, bringing their living room to the workplace and that feelings were important and how we correct or offer correction needs to come with compassion as there's no benefit in shame or blame. And folks carry these feelings around that are so deep. The problem with the feelings are, is that since we've never really examined our feelings, there's a deep cavern in between superiority feelings and inferiority feelings. And how do we close that gap so that we can all see that we're all exceptionally average? So in other words, what I don't do well, you do well. Mm-hmm. And how can we bring us all together as a tribe to not only achieve wealth in business, but not lose our health along the way? Yeah. I think one of the things we focus on when working with organizations is we don't deliver courses that are designed to make people a better employee. Mm -hmm. And we kind of stayed away from that from day one. That isn't what excites us. It isn't what interests us. We deliver courses that change the individual, recognizing that we shouldn't have to come to work and keep wearing a different mask than the one we wear from home because that's exhausting. And so allowing people to have that openness and vulnerability to say, yeah, actually, I'm dealing with this at home, so I might not be on top of my game right now. And to be able to encourage a a sense of collaborative working and that, you know, sometimes we're on the top of the wheel and life is amazing. And sometimes we're at the bottom of the wheel getting dragged through the water and we feel like there's no way out. But the one thing I know for sure is that wheel always keeps turning. So when you're the one on the top, then you can take responsibility and be that hero, have strength enough for two to help the ones who are at the bottom. And when you're at the bottom, again, you can be that hero and say, do you know what? I need extra strength from you because I'm down here right now. And we, we've changed cultures in organizations by having those conversations. And I think one of the biggest parts of feedback we get is one of the best things that came out of your course is I realized I'm not on my own. Other people feel like this as well. And it's kind of shattering that illusion of the people who have it all together and wear that mask because they're usually the ones struggling the most. Mm-hmm. And that vulnerability brings brings that togetherness. It creates those supportive cultures, which is the change that's needed in a lot of large organisations. Mm-hmm. Having mm-hmm. that feeling like, because, you know, there, there could be thousands of employees, but then as soon as you realise you're not alone and you realise there are, you know, um, say in the cohorts, there could be 15 and they stay connected. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they realise that they've got that support, they become taller they become braver and full of way more courage i totally agree that everybody wants to have a voice at the table Mm. and you know whether you're the ceo or you're the janitor we all have responsibilities to continue to make this wheel flow in a conscious Mm. way in the most efficient way one of the issues that that i see around communication is that it's not conscious And one of the old lines I used to say years ago 
was uh, the problem with communication is the illusion that it's taken place. <laughs> and somebody would say, well, I told so-and-so to, you know, go take care of this with Bill. And, you know, this was two weeks ago and nothing happened. You know, we, we have all these ways to communicate these days in 2022. And it seems like communication has never been harder. Yeah. What are some tools we can do with folks to help them remain present? We're drowning in communication, aren't we? You know, it's 85% of our day is in some form of communication. And what I find astounding on that is that about half of that should be in listening. But we know we're terrible listeners. Most of us listen with the intent of replying. Most of us, if you say to me, how was your weekend? And I say, oh, it was lovely. I went for a lovely walk. You're already thinking, well, I went for a walk. I'm going to tell her about that when she finishes talking. And so a big challenge with communication is forcing ourselves to be better listeners. And the way we do that is we slow stuff down. We don't have to feel everything all the time. And I, I teach a technique that I call practicing the pause. So it's leaving the silence. There's magic in the silence. So particularly in therapy, the way things usually pan out in therapy is someone comes in and I say, so how are you? And they usually give me the answer they're giving everyone else, which is good thanks or fine thanks. <laughs> That's the stop reply, right? But you're in therapy. So if I was terrible at my job, I would kind of go, okay, brilliant. You're doing great. See you in a month's time. But obviously I wouldn't do that. So what I've learned to do is practice the pause. So I will nod, I will smile, I will say and, but I'm not feeling that. And what I've learned is it's the second thing people say that is most revealing. The first thing's rehearsed. The second thing is where you get what is really going on with someone. That's when the truth comes out. When people have that gift of feeling truly listened to and truly understood, then we connect. We start to know what's going on for each other. So one of the simplest tools is to practice the pause in your interactions with other people. Don't feel that. The uncomfortable silence doesn't have to be uncomfortable. Sometimes there's magic in that silence. We give people the space to be themselves. Definitely that. Do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, there's a saying, you can't learn anything new when you're talking. <laughs> and... <clears throat> When we're stressed, we're afraid of the silence. We're afraid of that blank space because somehow we feel inadequate or unable to thrive in this environment. The amazing thing about the breath is that God's given us two little pauses. Mm -hmm. At the end of the inhale, before you exhale, what's there? There's a pause. At the end of the exhale and before we inhale, there's a pause. Mm -hmm. So it's there 20,000 times a day. The pause is there for us. And in the pause is the next step. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, when we're stressed, we can put it on EKG. The pause is very short. It's microscopic. When we're feeling good, we're feeling compassionate. We're feeling confident. The pause is microscopically larger in time. 
Yeah. And some folks would call that heart rate variability science or having a strong, resilient, parasympathetic response to a moment in our life. And this gives us great comfort to know that our breath gives us the ability to control our perceptions. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. It reminds me of um, Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. And Victor Frankl says that between stimulus and response, there's a little gap, and that's our freedom. And it's that pause. So the stimulus doesn't have to mean I respond in a certain way. I have that little moment in between, which is my freedom, which is I get to choose how to respond to that. And we can use that in those tiny little micro moments throughout the day when we start to become aware of our breath. I get to control how I respond to it. You know, that's just, that's just such a deep rabbit hole right there, especially speaking about the brain. <clears throat> the brain loves to complete things. Mm -hmm. It is hardwired. When you send the brain out to a task, it does not like to be distracted disrupted or disturbed. It wants to close that chapter, take a breath and then start something new. And what's not happening in the corporate world and in the business world these days, we are constantly being distracted. We are constantly being multitasked and the brain has all these open files. It's running all the time. It's no wonder why we can't sleep at night because mm -hmm. we're just overwhelmed the brain with sensory overload yeah and you know as human beings we all have different layers or different we love being stimulated some folks love to be stimulated a lot some folks just need a little bit but at the end of the day when you get up in the morning before you even leave the house you're going to be stimulated mm -hmm. and the idea is you want to be able to control your level of stimulation based on how you're feeling the first few minutes when you get up in the morning, which will tell you pretty much how your day is going to unfold mentally and emotionally. It's always different. Just because you had a great day yesterday, buckle up for tomorrow because it's <laughs> going to be a hell of a day. You know, you just never know. And you don't know until you go. So, yeah. and we all have to go. You know, we need to make friends with stillness, silence, being gentle with ourselves and just letting life unfold in that maybe that quiet time or some folks would call mm -hmm. it meditation. Yep. We also need to be ready for the action time. And that's where I think we can use the breath as a major tool to help us give our greatest command, great commands over this mind because mm -hmm. it's a monkey mind. It swings <laughs> from thought to thought it loves, it gives us a great show. <laughs> and plays, the balloons go up. It's a wonderful theater. But at the end of the day, you guys are giving folks great tools <clears throat> to see, number one, not only are you the main actor in this show. Mm -hmm. Number two, you're also the director of the actor. But number three, most importantly, you're the audience. And you get to clap or you get to boo. And yeah. being very skillful in that is one of the keys to keeping that actor going. Yeah, I love that. That's, yeah. Love that. 
What's on your plate now for 2022? Oh, um, it's, it's uh, uh, e-learning is our approach. It's um, shifting how um, we do business and train. Um, and what we want to do is create a, a better balance within the business and having that e-learning and getting that away in the right right way to our students and clients um, is key for us in uh, 2022. And um, I think we're going to be taking a lot of recovery breaks and resting. We're going to get um, time out in nature. That that's something crucial. I think we uh, we lacked that a little bit last year. So yeah, getting out outside, breathing that fresh air. Mm-hmm. Is there any difference? Well, obviously there's a difference. What are some of the differences that we can overcome from going from? working face-to-face with human contact and eye contact and watching body language and then making this step into e-learning. It seemed like it was a big deal, but now that we've been in it for a while, the masterful folks like yourself have been able to transcend that communication. We we make sure that ours is still really personable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. So there's still a lot of contact with um, the Beam team. There's still there's videos. There's ability to interact, ask questions. And I think that's really important. I think when Tom was talking earlier about the different types of learners, what we've learned is there are some people that absolutely will never like e-learning. They they need to be with people. They They need that discipline, really, of being accountable around other people. Mm-hmm. And then there are other people that will never like being in a room full of people learning and they absolutely love e-learning. Well so said. No one size fits all for it. We know that, but we try and make sure that the content, and Tom is amazing at this, that there's a, a mix of auditory, visual, kinesthetic, there's videos, there's audios. It, it's very interactive to try and get that sense of, oh, I am dealing with a person, not a computer. Mm-hmm which is crucial um, to having either me or Leanne in the e-learning as well. You know, it's uh, it's very much a blended approach. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not just reading from page to page. You know, there's uh, making sure that that brain is engaged on many different levels, tasks, videos, reading, audio, you know, workbooks, you know, having to really encompass every type of learning is is the key to success is not making it boring. People need to be engaged and people need to feel like this is fun because that's the best way people learn. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Without sharing any trade secrets or, or names, what are some of the highlights of your career where you've taken a situation or a person and you just thought this, this plane was going down? And it turned around to be this the most amazing rose that came out of it. So the first one that comes to my mind, we, with the work that I've done face to face, I know that the work we've done has saved lives. People have told me that. But the first one that comes to mind is um, someone through their company was selected to go on one of my courses. It's about resilience. And they did that course and they engaged, but, you know, nothing exceptional, really. You know, it was a usual engagement. And at the very end, they spoke to me privately 
and told me that the day they had found out they were going on the course, before they had that email, they had gone to the shop and they'd got a lot of tablets and they planned that evening to end their life. And then when they came back to their desk, they had an email saying you've been selected to go on this program and they took it as a sign, thank God. They took it as a sign that maybe I'll wait. And not only is that person still here, that person is the brightest, most wonderful shining star. They're an amazing um, advocate for others, amazing support. And thank goodness they know that they not only have amazing things to live for, but they know that even when life challenges them invariably, they have tools and support and everything they need to still remain here because they are important they're needed here. So that was the one that came to my mind, first of all, because that person was showing up, no one had any idea that that was their plan. And mm -hmm. yet, that was their plan. And I've definitely learned that over the years that very often we wear these masks so tightly, that we can conceal the most darkest, most difficult secrets. Wow, man, that brings tears to my eyes. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for being there for that human being. And now look what he or she is contributing yeah. to others because we're all in this together. Yeah. You know, globally, no one gets left behind. We're human beings and we're hardwired for empathy and mm -hmm. to help one another. And it's stories like this that need to be heard. Yeah. We don't need to hear what we're hearing on the news. <clears throat> we need to hear stories like this. And change this psychological kind of parasite that we all have that we are so hard on ourselves, but we let everybody else in our life slide. Yeah. <laughs> why, why does this happen? I don't, somewhere mm -hmm. along the line, we've picked up, it's become fashionable to cannibalize ourselves mm -hmm. and then let everybody else slide. Mm -hmm. how, how do we get folks back into the mindset? that you are so valuable. There is a purpose for you being here. It might be beyond what you can see today, but that doesn't mean that we don't stop digging in the mind of life. Yeah. I think there's a couple of layers to that. I think it's realizing that every single thing on this planet has a purpose. Mm -hmm. the trees, birds, a worm, everything has a purpose. And therefore as human beings, we need to have purpose too. It's again, it's in our DNA. We need to feel that we're contributing to something. And so we may have lost our way with that, but sometimes that purpose is literally just speaking to your neighbor. That purpose is, is just kind of saying a kind word to someone. I think also one of the things I hear more than anything else is I'm not good enough. And I've never yet met a person when I say, well, what would good enough look like? Nobody can answer that for me. Nobody can give me a succinct definition of what good enough is. So we beat ourselves up with this idea that I'm not good enough without giving ourselves an opportunity to ever measure up because I've never worked out what enough is. And actually, the honest answer is every single one of us is enough. We're all works in progress. We can all do better and we, we may do something today that tomorrow we would never repeat but we're enough just by our, our being 
And so something that I have in my head quite often and that I share with clients is in this moment, what would the best version of me do right now? Mm-hmm. And that just helps us to show up to kind of, again, be that hero to, to stop up and just go, I can't think too far ahead, but in this moment, what would that best version of me do? And so I think it's that, it's recognizing we're all works in progress, we're all flawed. There has been billions of us and so far there has never been a perfect human being. And so all we can do is our best. And if we mess up today, we can just try and do better tomorrow. I think there's um, there's, it's a a tool that you taught me actually um, of dealing with your inner critic. Mm -hmm. And it's something that's really simple and and I like it and um, obviously, it's just simply, you know, because we have those voices, um, you know, and that that inner critic and simply by naming that inner critic and telling it to go away. You can name it anything you like. I mean, my name's Tom. So my my inner critic's Tim. Um, and I just tell Tim to get off, you know, and it's, you know, obviously not out loud, um, you know, and, and it really helps. You know, if there's times where I feel like I'm not, you know, I'm I'm having that self doubt. I'm like, see you later, Tim. This is, you're not invited. Uh, and it's just it's another small technique that just it it really helps. And it's it's one of the one I think in our feedback we've had quite a lot where mm-hmm. people have really liked and resonated with that tool as well. I love that, Tom. I love you know you must communicate. That is. The purpose of free will, the ability to communicate outside of their of our ancestors. And if we can communicate with the intruder, there's an opportunity for shift. Mm-hmm. If we stop communicating and we begin to compete with it or judge it, we are immediately taken back to the old layer. Yeah. You know, the short version might be love the parts of yourself that you're at war with Mm. and then it's all done because there's no more war or at least like it and know that everything's here to help everything is happening for a positive reason 99.9 percent of the time if we can just let go of the way it has to be for us Mm -hmm. you know expand that comfort zone a little bit and gosh you know, the only really shortcut I've had for my own personal growth and professional growth has been around, has been evolved around the breath. Mm-hmm. The, the breath has, has shown me amazing shortcuts without losing quality, while at the same time improving my my inner landscape about how I view things. Yeah. And when you guys have got the beautiful female and male lion you got this beam training you got this male and female energy coming at folks it's inclusive because Mm -hmm. we're all one of those and it really allows folks to learn and feel safe in a way that communicates to where they are regardless of you're a female or male yeah you guys are like a family of support for folks We hope so. We hope so. We've both had times where we we've needed support of others and other people have stepped up. And so we definitely, you know, like I said, on that wheel, we definitely aim to offer that 
support and love and compassion to others when they're missing it for themselves. Well, hope works. Hmm. Hope is all we have a lot of times. And that is all we need is hope. And each breath tells us that we have value because if we were not breathing, we would not have value anymore. We need to be in these bodies. We need to use all of our sensory perception and we need to move forward and trust that the only way out of what we're in in humanity is forward. It's not going back. Yeah. Is there anything else you guys would like to share before we end our time today? I don't think so, is there? I mean, if people want to find out anything about us, I'm sure you'll put um, details there. And if anyone is struggling, if anything we've said has kind of hit a nerve or anything, please reach out to someone, but you can definitely reach out to one of us. Um, but other than that, I don't have anything to you. No, nothing to add. It's been a pleasure um, talking to you today, Ed. It's been... how, do folks, how do folks get a hold of you, Tom? Um, at beamtraining.com. Dot com. No, no. <laughs> I love it, man. I love yeah. it. We'll, we'll have up all the credentials. So Brilliant. folks over in the UK or in fact, anywhere in the world are going to be able to connect with you two people who can really help take your situation to the next level almost seamlessly. And whatever it might be, the impediment will be in the rearview mirror very, very mm -hmm. quickly. For sure. So on behalf of Wendy and Harley, myself, <laughs> I want to thank you so much for taking an hour out of your life today and spreading your word out <clears throat> throughout the globe. You're two of my favorite people <clears throat> in the world. And I love supporting what you guys are cooking. So thank you very much. I appreciate you guys. And I look forward to hearing more of the successes of Beam Training UK. Thank you, Leanne and Tom. Thank you, Thank Ed. You, Ed. We love you too. All right. Have a great day and go be great. Thank you. Thank you, man. <laughs>